You know, if you're new around here, I want you to know something, that one of the values that I have uh, personally through some stuff that I kind of went through in some church experiences whenever I was growing up, I want to be sure that as a pastor, as I'm leading you, and I have the privilege of doing that, that I am always kind of real with you. I want to be real with you and transparent with you and make myself vulnerable to you in certain areas that I always love to share the victories of the things that God is doing in my life. And that's important for me to share those things with you, to, to, to talk about the, the, the good things and, the, and, and those kind of things. But I also think it's very healthy and it's important for me as a leader and as a pastor to share with you that there also are some things that, that I really struggle with in my life. There's some things that I, that, I, that I battle with and some things that I try to just be real with you about. I believe that's healthy for, for us to do that. And that's not only my value. Well, because it's my value, when we started the church 24 years ago, it became the value of our church is we want to be real. Not perfect. We're far from that, but real and transparent. And I think we find that in God's word. You know, as I get these messages ready for you, as I prepare them, I always want you to know that, um, sorry camera guys, today um, it's going to be one of those days, that I always, um, I prepare messages not to preach at you, not preaching at you. In fact, when I prepare messages, I am I'm getting those ready, oftentimes preaching them into my own soul, and I really see myself, except for just a few moments on Sunday mornings, I really see myself more along the lines of kind of being out here with you because I am just one of you. I'm just, I'm just a person just like everybody else. And this morning, you notice I've, I've got a little something added that I've walked out with. It is heavy. And uh, you may be thinking, what in the world is this? This is, um, this is my backpack of burden. It's not you in the backpack of burden, okay? Some of you may be wondering if that's, I mean, it could be at certain points, but it's a backpack of burden. The, the real struggle that I have is um, I oftentimes find myself, I find myself battling with anxiety. And I find myself feeling overwhelmed with worry at certain points. Now, I want you to know there's been certain points in my life where this has been really bad in my life. And I mean, I have struggled with this immensely. God has given me victory in my life, praise God. But it affects me, and I still struggle with it some today where it creeps back into my life. And it affects me in a number of different ways. It certainly affects me spiritually because it's, it's hard to bear the fruit of the Spirit that God has for me and to bear that fruit of the Spirit for you, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those things, whenever I am feeling weighed down by burdens that I am carrying that are anxieties or worries, where I feel weighed down by my worries, it's hard in my relationships. It's hard to be a good dad whenever I'm struggling with that kind of worry in my life. It's hard to be a good husband. It's hard to be a good pastor, I can assure you that. Because oftentimes I feel like I'm consumed with what is weighing me down. It's, it's, it's tough in my relationship with God whenever I'm struggling with that. It's, tough, uh, it's been tough at certain points in my life, and I still struggle with this. Physically, there are times where whenever I feel weighed down by my worries, it has affected me. In fact, this is my second time to do this this morning. This is a heavy backpack. I didn't bring a fake backpack up here, Burden. This is a heavy one. It's got some weight in it today. And I'm, I'm even as I'm speaking, I try to be in shape, but I'm, I'm getting out of breath, which it physically affects us when you're carrying a backpack of Burden. And it's, you know, I'm getting a little bit out of breath right now. There have been times 
where I've struggled with anxiety and where I've been weighed down with worry, there have been times whenever, there was a time 12 years ago, I thought I was having a heart attack. And I had to go to the emergency room. I know I've talked to some of you that have experienced that. And I went, and I was actually, I was, I was okay. And uh, they did all the tests, ran all the tests, and, and they, they said, what's going on in your life? And I began to share with them some of the things that I was worried about or whatever. And the, the doctor kind of assessed at that point, we, we think this probably has to do with, with some anxiety that you're dealing with. And so it has affected me physically. It's affected my relationships at points. It affects me spiritually. It affects me emotionally. Now, this is what I want you to know. God has helped me, and I praise God for the victories that he gives me, but I also feel a lot of what Paul feels at certain moments where he would say in Romans chapter 7, Paul would talk about in this frustration of, and uh, the human condition of why do I do the things that I hate and I can't seem to do the things that I want to do? Why do I do these things? And then, of course, you get into Romans chapter 8 and he talks about the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. And we start to experience that. But I want you to know that this is something that can easily begin to creep back into my life. And whenever it does, and it begins to weigh me down, it could be a number of things that could be in my backpack of burden. I'm putting this down because it's getting heavy. This is my second time to do this today. And I'm getting out of breath. But it could be things that are going on with my kids. I have adult children now. And, uh, and I want you to know that, that uh, parenting adult kids is, those of you with little kids, you may think that all the problems kind of go away. What? It's harder because, to me, you can't tell them what to do, okay? And I, I, this is coming from a, a, a self-confessed recovering control freak. I can struggle with that because they've got to make some of their own decisions, and then I've got to watch them kind of grapple with that. And, and you know, and I know some of you who worry about your kids, when we worry about our kids, we, there are certain, we want to fix things for them, and sometimes there's just things that we can't fix. Now, if you can fix it, fix it. Or it could be some of the times that have filled my backpack of burden up, and I'm not saying they're my burden, I'm just saying that there are worries that begin to collect, and anxiety begins to press down, I feel, start feeling exhausted, I kind of lose my breath. In fact, every time around, uh, around Easter, I find myself having to work this process in my life of understanding that anxiety begins to creep up. You can pray for me during that season, because I find myself not just feeling like I got a backpack of burden on my shoulders, I feel like many times there's a, I can't breathe certain nights. It's funny. It just begins to press down on me. I feel like I have a gorilla on my chest and I can't breathe. It's kind of a physical thing that begins to happen. There are some other things that maybe collect in this. It could be, and this is kind of maybe ironic and kind of funny. Maybe you find it humorous, but here I am a pastor. I've been a pastor for many years, but you know, one of, one of the anxieties that I have struggled with throughout my career as a pastor I never wanted to be a public speaker. When I was 17 years old at Basel and the Lord was calling me into vocational ministry, I said, Lord, I'll do anything. Please don't make me a pastor. Well, that really worked out, Lord, okay, right? And there's those moments where I've struggled with that and still, even 24 years in here, there are moments, even after I've already preached a message and I've already done it where I may be backstage and all of a sudden this rush of fear goes through me and I think, I, I, I can't do this. 
That, that's real. That's something that happens to me. Again, you can pray for me in those moments. Now, some of you who are guests may be like, good luck with all that, man. We're going to find another church. Maybe you should. I don't know. But you're welcome here. Um, I just want you to know that I, I, I struggle. I struggle with this. And I go through these great seasons where I'm doing well, but there are other times where this thing begins to collect, and it starts to weigh me down, and it begins to affect me in a number of different ways. Now, fortunately, I begin to recognize this where I used to not know what was going on. It, it could be um, as a pastor where maybe I'm feeling, and this is also ironic, where I'm, I should be leading in a spiritual way, and yet I find myself worrying about things within the church. And then I think, well, that's great. I'm worrying about church stuff. That's really got to be pleasing to the Lord. I find myself worrying about the fact that I'm worrying. And I'm kind of beat myself up with that. Like, what is going on? Why do, why do I do this? It could be a relational issue that I'm struggling with, some conflict that has either happened or is about to happen. And, and then I struggle with maybe what I'm going to say or what I said. I might second-guess decisions that I made that were tough decisions that I had to make them. And you can't seem to please people either way. I've struggled with that, where that has created this this fear where sometimes it's overwhelming within me. By the way, Moses struggled with some of these same things. Here's what I want you to hear today, okay? It's really important. Some of you I know as you're coming in, you're like, why is he already preaching? We're going to worship a little bit more in a minute, so you're welcome to come on in and find a seat. You're okay, all right? Don't worry about it. Um, Here's what I want to say. Your pastor is very, very flawed and human. And I want all of us to understand that, okay? And a lot of times where we go wrong in our churches is when we elevate pastors to a certain level and we think that they're not human and we certainly want to lead at a high level, but you need to understand that this church, praise God, is not founded upon the personality of a, of a very flawed person. This church was founded on the person of Jesus Christ who is perfect and infallible. And without sin. And I also, this is something I want you to know. I thank God that in spite of all of my flaws and my struggles with this, and your struggle might be different, I thank God that he loves me and he chooses to use somebody that is as broken as me and that wrestles with these kinds of things. And that I get to be a part of this. That's a testimony of God's grace in my life. I want to ask you something today. I've just been real with you. What are you worried about today? What, what are you carrying around today that's weighing you down? You, you probably left and your, your house this morning and, and you were carrying this. You got in the car and you may not have a physical backpack of burden, but you have an invisible one that's weighing on you. And you walk through our, our parking lot that's under construction. And it's hard to find peace out there right now, okay? We're moving towards it. Um, and our, into our building that's under construction. It's not a very peaceful setting that we are in physically right now. And you came in and you sang a couple songs. Maybe you're still wearing your, your backpack of burden, whatever it is that's weighing you down, where you're, when your mind is idle, those thoughts go to that and it kind of overwhelms you at certain points. Maybe even in those two songs, you still haven't quite caught up and you're still carrying that. Even as I'm talking to you right now, about worry, you feel worried about something. 
and you feel the weight that is pressing on your shoulders, maybe again not physically, but it does have a physical impact. And just like I get out of breath carrying this thing around while I'm trying to preach, it's exhausting. And you come in and you're worn out. And Now let me say that um, a lot of us struggle with all kinds of different things. Maybe it's something that is going on with your kids right now. And you're worried about the outcome of what is going to happen with your kids. Maybe it's something that's happening within your marriage. Very real things that real people are dealing with. It could be your business right now in the economy that we're in and you're worried about the financial aspect of something. It could be your job that you struggle at and you don't really like that job that you have and you're you're worried about it or, 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 or maybe you don't have a job right now and you're worried about that and that's weighing you down and you're wondering, like we've talked about how long, God, maybe you're a teenager this morning and your parents have been fighting a lot and you're worried, you're worried about your mom and dad and you're worried, are, are they going to make it? Are, are, am I going to be in a place where my mom and dad, I'm gonna, am I going to have a broken home and you're struggling with that? Maybe you are at a season where you are caring for aging parents and, and you're not sure how to navigate this right now and, and you're struggling and that weighs you down because you don't know what is out ahead of you next. What I want you to know is that these are very real things that, that all of us are dealing with at one point or another. Now I want to say something that I know there are some of you who are here today that you don't struggle much with this, maybe the way that I'm talking about this. And there have been times where I would say, well, good for you, okay, and kind of be a smart aleck. But I'm actually, I want you to know this week I've thought, really, I am glad for you. I'm glad that you, you seem to have this, maybe God has helped you have this under control. And again, there are really good, strong seasons in my life too where I feel like this is harnessed and it's, it's good. It's been under the Holy Spirit's control in my life. But here is what I have found with me because again, I'm a broken human is it seems to creep back in my life at certain times. Now again, at least I recognize this now when I didn't understand what was going on with me, and now I know a process to begin to, that I want to take you through that helps me, okay? There are also some of you that, as I talk about this, this has been a lifelong battle for you that maybe is even at another level because there are some things that are more clinical type anxieties, and I want to recognize that today. What I'm more addressing today, and we acknowledge that, okay? We believe that that's real for people, but I want to address for many of us, we will go through our lives carrying really kind of a low-grade anxiety. Many of us, and sometimes it's low-grade, and other times it kind of gets heavier depending upon the circumstances that emerge within our lives. Sometimes we're doing great, and then sometimes it just kind of creeps in because circumstances change. And, and I just want us all to acknowledge that that's very real. The reason I know this is real is because... Jesus addresses worry and anxiety. In the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about it. He talks about a new way of living, to not worry, and, and he begins to share about that. The Apostle Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 4 when he's in a prison and he's trying to help some believers experience joy in their life and be joyful. And he's saying, be anxious for nothing, but instead pray about everything. 
So Paul talks about it. Jesus talks about it. Peter talks about it. In 1 Peter chapter 5, did you know that? He talks about it where he says to some believers who were under attack and being persecuted, and he shares with them, give all your worries, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Jesus talks about it. Peter talks about it. Paul talks about it. I'm telling you this is real. Some of you are nodding your head. You know, because some of you are feeling that backpack of burden as you came in this morning and you identify with this. Some in the last service, as I was talking about it, were already in tears because they feel, they feel burdened today. David also talked about this, and we're in Psalm 27. I want you to look with me there. We're going to read this psalm together. We're in the last week of our series on Summer of Psalms. And in Psalm 27, David is going to begin to coach us through these worries that can emerge within our lives. What do we do with this whenever it happens? And it's going to happen, and you're, you're carrying this. Well, so many things that, that worry, when we look at this, what it is, there, there are two things that I see in this psalm, and there are two things that have been prevalent in my life. When worry begins to emerge, this is kind of what I have learned is going on. I have this fear of an unknown outcome. There's something that is out ahead in the future that I don't know how it's going to resolve. And so in my mind, many times, whenever I'm laying in bed or I have an idle moment, my brain goes to trying to fix that and control that. And I kind of just work out every scenario. Again, I know not all of you think like that and many of you are different in that way. But that's kind of what happens for me is, and here's what happens. In the fear of an unknown outcome that's something out ahead, it ends up robbing me of the present in the moments of the people who are with me right now. And I end up in that situation missing moments with my kids because I'm worried about something that may never happen that's out ahead. Or I miss moments with my wife. Or here's the thing, I might miss things that are going on with you as I've just, and being really just transparent with you, I might miss things that are going on in your life because I become consumed with my worry. So I miss, because I'm consumed with that, I miss the present. I miss what's going on. Now, here's another thing that may cause worry in our lives. It's not only a fear of an unknown outcome, it could be a fear of man. Now, you say, what, what do you mean by that? Well, what that would look like would be kind of a, what do people think? What about my image? Now, I know some of you, this one doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mess with you at all. But we live in a culture, especially through social media and everywhere, everybody is consumed with their image and what people think about them and how many likes I get. And you know what I'm saying? And it's like, uh, why did so-and-so leave me on, re on, on red? And they're, and they're not responding. What's going on? Did I say, you know, that can begin, we be can begin to worry and play out these scenarios. What did, I, did I say something wrong? Why are they upset with me? Maybe you feel a constant need to impress. You didn't realize this, but maybe you do. And you find yourself thinking about, you know, what other people think about you. So this fear of the unknown and this lack of control and this fear of man, these are things that fill up our backpack of burden. These are things that we begin to carry. And they begin to weigh us down and they affect us spiritually, emotionally. They affect us even physically, as I shared with you that, that it's impacted me at certain moments where I, I, I thought I was having a heart attack or maybe TMI, but 
I have skin issues whenever that happens. I can't breathe. It's like it's all connected. I'm wanting you to hear this. It's connected. And what David is going to do is he's going to show us how to work through our worries with God. Because David had some very real things that were happening, things that were happening in his life that would cause a person to worry, as we're going to see. David coaches us through this. Now, David is going to talk about, in Psalm 27, he's going to talk about enemies. How enemies are surrounding him, how enemies are attacking him. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, I, to my knowledge, I don't know of anybody immediately around me that, that wants to kill me right now. Okay, I could get some weird emails today. Who knows, okay? But I don't feel that. And so when I read that, I'm like, well, that doesn't quite connect with me. Maybe... But I started thinking, I remember back when 9-11 happened, and I was in my early 30s there leading this church. And, uh, and I remember it was kind of dawned on me, because I had not been in the armed forces as many of you had. There really are some people out there who really hate me. They don't even know me. And I remember that. And again, some of you, when we read about enemies, this is real to you because you serve in the military or you have served and you understand the realities of that that a lot of us don't because you are you're fighting for us and representing us. I also started thinking as we'll read this that there are believers in other parts of the world who this is very real to them because there are people who literally not figuratively literally want to harm them because they love Jesus. So when we read this you can think about them some um, and you can think about that but but this is what I do know if you are a follower of Jesus Maybe you don't, it doesn't resonate that you have physical enemies, but Scripture tells us that we, Paul tells us that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but that we actually, we have a spiritual enemy. And I want you to know something, who hates you and who attacks and who wants to destroy. And so you can think through the lens, all of us who are followers of Jesus can think through the lens of we do have a spiritual enemy and he is coming after us as Paul will speak about that. And if, and if no, we don't need to be fearful of that. I just want you to be aware of the reality of this. Now, as David talks about this, David addresses this issue of fear and anxiety. And these situations with an enemy that could cause a fear of an unknown outcome and fear of man. Okay, so look with me in Psalm 27. I want us to read this together. We're going to read it in its entirety. And I'm reading in the NLT and you can follow along in your Bibles or on the screen, but this is what David says. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? That also could translate, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? Remember, anxiety is often rooted in this fear that's going on within of us. Within us, so When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. 
For he will conceal me there when trouble comes and he will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, he's talking to the Lord, come and talk with me. The Lord is saying that to him. He said, I've heard you, Lord. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me. Oh God of my salvation. Even if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, oh Lord. Lead me along the right path for the enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath, they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord today. What I see in this psalm is King David is a very real person dealing with very real issues in a, in a real world in which we live. This isn't some fairy tale figure. He's a real person and he is dealing with real issues that could lead to immense amounts of worry for him. A lot of anxiety. Now, it's important that we understand that David is going to share with us a secret of how he would deal with these worries when they would present themselves within his life. But before you know the secret, you have to know the situation. So what was David's situation? What is he talking about in this? We should know the context. Now, we don't know exactly when David wrote this, at what place in his life he was at. There's a number of different things that we could say. Some think that maybe it was when Saul, King Saul, was chasing him. David, as a young, young man, had been anointed as the next king while there was a sitting king, which was very dangerous for him. And he spent many years in this love-hate relationship with Saul. Saul was a jealous man and an insecure man, an insecure king. And and he would love David one moment and praise him when David defeated Goliath and was leading Israel in these great battles and victories. And the next moment he would hurl a spear at his face at breakfast. I mean, this guy had some serious insecurity issues and he would chase David. And David spent years, as you've heard us say, running in the wilderness, hiding from Saul, struggling with this, crying out to God there are some that think that maybe it was during this time, and that's possible, but I think it's more likely that David was already king. So this season had already happened, and we see that David is now king, and I want you to know that even though David is king, you would think that maybe this would make his life easier, but David's life was a bit of a mess. David had a lot of conflict that was surrounding him all of the time, and just because he was now a king living in a palace rather than in the wilderness... His life was complicated now. He didn't know at certain points who he could trust and who was really with him. 
Not to mention the heartbreak of this man's family. And we're going to study this more in the fall starting in September because we're really going to dig into his life. But his family was a mess. He had a son who raped one of his daughters. Another son who was angry about this murdered that son. And that son decided also he wanted to stir up a coup against his own father and even tried to have his own father murdered. And you thought your family was jacked up. I'm telling you, this is a mess. But I'm wanting you to understand that there were some real things that you could see that would worry a person, right? When your family's a mess, whenever your job is a mess, and his job was being this king, and, and he's in this place where there are some that think that maybe this was that period where Absalom was chasing him. Regardless, there were fear of unknown outcomes, and there was a possibility of fear of man because he says in verses 2 and 4, listen to this, when the evil people try to devour me. I mean, he's like, they're trying to eat me alive right now. There's a real attack. He also says, when armies surround me, armies are surrounding him. So there is a serious reason to be worried right here. He says, when I'm attacked, if you skip down to verses 11 and 12, he says, People are lying in wait for me. Everywhere I go, it's like someone is against me. It's like I can't seem to, you know, get past this. They threaten violence against me. In fact, they even falsely accuse me. Some of you can relate to that. Maybe you've been falsely accused of some things, and David would get this, and you could be worried about this as things are coming against you like this. And I, I look at this, and I read this, and I think, man, these are serious situations David is dealing with. This is why he would write psalms of lament that we've studied over these last few weeks. Why he would say, how long, God? Where are you, God? Why, God? David would write these things because the psalms are so honest and they're so real and they're so raw. Which is why I can relate to them. But what you see is in his situation, David, David starts with this place of confidence. Not in himself. David's confidence is found in the character of God. When you look in verse 1, he says this, The Lord is my light. That word Lord, in the, it's all caps there. That is Yahweh. Yahweh, there's no question about who he's talking about here. He is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble or be anxious or carry this backpack of burden. Why should I do this is what he's saying is he's comparing his situation to who his God is. He says God is my light. When he says light, of course he's speaking metaphorically here. Darkness is often associated with fear because we can't see what's going on and we, we don't know what's happening. And he says, the Lord is my light. And it begins to push out this darkness and I can actually begin to see things that are happening around me and I gain some perspective. So he says, the Lord is my light. And then he says, the Lord is my salvation. The Lord, Yahweh is my rescuer. He is the one who rescues me. The Lord is my fortress. He uses all of this terminology that certainly would resonate with his listeners in this psalm. My fortress would be, he is the one that protects me. He comes between me and my enemy. 
So why should I be afraid then? If, if the Lord is, this is where his confidence is found. And is again, is, again, as he is preaching into his soul, the confidence is found because as he begins to think about his problems and the people who are involved in his problems, and he begins to think about, let's say over here is his God, what he begins to gain now is perspective. And he understands those are real problems. There, there are things that are in this backpack of burden that are worries and that are real anxieties, things that would, but then he begins to compare this to who his God is. And this begins to do something within his soul. It gives him this confidence because he begins to see the bigger picture. And I want you to know that the worries that you have today, that you've brought in today, I in no way, man, I'd be one of the last ones to say to you, those aren't real things, get over it. I would tell you, those are real legitimate situations. They are. But in comparison to who our God is, that's what I'm trying to lead you to today. As we put them in perspective, David gains perspective. Verse 5, this is what he says. For he will conceal me there, that's in the temple, when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, what's the next word? Then. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. As David has all of these things that are weighing him down, that are pressing him down, I want us to notice that he begins to gain freedom from fear through confidence in God, and then he gains perspective of what's actually in that bag that's weighing him down. They're real things, but they begin to... Gain, he gains perspective. Now, this is what's kind of mind-blowing to me, and it really challenges me. Even though his world is turned upside down, and wouldn't you agree, he's got problems. He says this, I will have a joyful and happy heart. Look at verse 6. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with, come on now, shouts of how does a guy have joy whenever all of this is going on around him? The circumstances haven't changed because he says, armies have surrounded me. Yet I'm still going to praise the Lord. Is he out of touch? Is he deluded? And he says, I'm going to do it with singing and praising, praising the Lord. And he even says, because he's a musician, with music. And this is crazy. People are out to get him. Despite his circumstances, David chooses to offer a sacrifice of praise. Now, let, let me just say something to encourage you today. Some of you have heavy burdens. You're carrying the invisible backpack. You're weighed down. But listen to me today. You got here today. Amen? You're here. You're here. You fought through that, and you came to praise the Lord. And I'm excited for you that you did that because I believe there could be some breakthrough for you today. Because you fought through that. David says this. I'm going to praise the Lord. How did, how did he do this? How, how did he get his heart to this place of joy? Because I can't get my heart there in my own. On my own. I can't seem to do this. It, it, it's not my human condition. prevent. But there's something that begins to happen within him. Something that he can do. That begins to shift his heart into a new place. Where he gets perspective. How did he do this? 
where he gets joy and confidence. This is your big idea right here. David worked through his worries with worship. David was working a process, and I want you to see, this is coaching us on how to do this. He's working a process that has been given for us today to work in our own lives. David's success in overcoming fear and worry in his life, in the midst of this, in some serious situations that he finds himself in, things that were out of control, it was to passionately, his decision to passionately seek God's face, God's presence, and he chose to worship And through worship, he filtered everything that was in that bag he's carrying around through the person of his God. And this is what worship does for us. This is why it's important that you press when you don't feel like it. And you you go ahead, because many times the enemy will try to keep you away from worship. And I know you may be thinking that I'm talking only about Sunday morning, and we'll get to that in a second. Now, this is important, but I'm talking about a worship that is made possible for us every moment of every day because of Jesus. David said something. This is so interesting, right? I want you to know, David said, I'm going to seek God above everything else in the middle of this situation. And I just want us to know that if David could do this, so can we. David is a real person, just like we are. This has been given to show us that this is possible in our lives. Worship was the filter that put his heart and mind back into the right place with right perspective. Circumstances might not change, but my heart and my mind can. They might change, but they might not. Look at what he says. Where am I getting this? Look at verse 4. Verse 4. The one thing I ask of the Lord. Now I was reading that and I was thinking, This would be a great place for him to say, Lord, take this junk out of this bag, fix that. That's not the one thing that he asks. The one thing he says that I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most is to live. That word is also dwell, abide. Be in this experiential relationship with God, okay, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, not just on a Sunday. To dwell with him daily, in relationship, in in his presence. This is what he's saying, okay? And And he tells us, this is what it looks like. Delighting in the Lord's perfections. That's the Lord's character. The Lord's beauty is another way that 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 translates, meditating in his temple. That's giving intentional thought about who he is. It's filtering my problems through praise and through understanding who God is. Now skip ahead with me. At his sanctuary, I will offer praises with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say... He's hearing the invitation of God. And I I, I want you to know God is giving you the same invitation right now. My heart, he says, has heard you say, come and talk with me. That's God saying that to him. That's God offering that to you today. This is something that that I'm going to say in every service. because It's not even in my notes. But you 
can choose to leave this place and pick this thing back up and carry it the rest of the week. I can't make you put this down before the Lord and give it to him. The Lord won't make it. He will invite you to. You get to choose how you walk out. That's heavy. Did you hear that? Okay. I should have picked a smaller weight. Okay. But you get to choose that. You get to choose. I didn't say you get to choose your situation or your circumstances. You don't. But you get to choose what you do with them in relationship with God. And God is saying, I, I invite you to come and talk with me, to be in relationship with me. I want to walk with you through this. This is what David says. And he said, Lord, I am coming. I want this in my life. In the original language, this is what's going on, okay? Where he says this back and forth with God. It's like David is taking, in the original language, the scruff of his neck. And picking himself up by the scruff of his own neck, preaching into his soul. And this is what he's saying. Heart, you will worship the Lord. That's, that's, that's the idea of this. This isn't pick yourself up by your bootstraps, okay? This is pick yourself up, bring you into the presence of God, and let him pick you up. He won't make you come into his presence in relationship. He pursues you, and he's there for you every moment. But he won't force this upon you. Heart, you're going to worship. Heart, I've heard the invitation of the Lord and how he's invited me into this presence of him. And heart, I'm choosing to believe that God is sovereign over all in my life, both the good and the bad. And the Bible would talk about how David would go into the tabernacle and he would sit in the presence of the Lord. It's recorded. He would sit before the Ark of the Covenant, which would have the the, the rod of Aaron that was budding, which was about God's power and his provision. It had some manna that was in that Ark of the Covenant. And that manna was about God's provision in the wilderness. And, and, the, and the Ten Commandments. And it, it, David would sit. The Ark was always representation of the presence of God. And David would sit and he would carry in the burdens that were upon him. And then he would... He would begin to worship the Lord and, and begin to gain perspective. And he would, he would lay those down and he would walk out and he would walk out a different person. And I'm just wanting us to understand that this is available for us too. This wasn't just only for David. It's recognizing the presence of God, right? As he worshiped God, the worries were released. And he gained confidence and he gained perspective and you may wonder, well, what, what is worship, Bart? Is it only when we sing? And, and I know we did things a little different today. We did a couple songs, and we're going to do a couple in a minute, okay? And we're going to have communion in a moment. But it's not just this Sunday morning experience. Because of what Jesus has done, and the veil that separated us has been torn in two, we now have access to the presence of God every moment of every day because of Jesus Christ. In his presence, I can live. And so it's this idea of practicing the presence of God. Worship is, is essentially this kind of lifestyle. This is a culmination of all the worship throughout the week where we come and celebrate him together. It's important to do that corporately. But it's this lifestyle of practicing the presence of God. And David says, this is the one thing I seek. This is the one thing that I Desire above everything else 
It's to live in this relationship with you, God. Worship can be defined as any time we intentionally engage with God, responding with my life to who he is and what he has done. I can worship God as I take a walk with my wife through our neighborhood. And I recognize something, that God is on that walk with me. I can worship God while I sit at a desk in, um, in a job that I don't like. I'm not talking about mine, okay? In a job that I don't like. Where I sit at that place, and it's a hard environment where I'm in, but I understand something. There is someone who is with me in that situation. I can even worship God in a time like that. I can worship God in a health situation that does seem like it's spiraling out of control, but because I understand that I have a God that is sovereign over all things, I can choose to worship God and believe that he is working on my behalf, even in the bad. I can worship God as I, as a parent, maybe my kids are going through something and I understand that we're not walking through it by ourselves. It's, it's this idea that it is much more than a song. It's a lifestyle. I can worship God while I'm driving in traffic. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. This should not be, as James says. But whenever I recognize that Jesus is in there with me, it changes things. The Lord's working on me here, okay? Um, I'm just wanting you to understand this is a practice. The secret for many believers throughout the ages to find that kind of joy and peace in their lives, I want you to understand, comes through practicing the presence of God. Practicing the presence of God. In everything that I do, washing dishes, taking the garbage out, practicing the presence of God. And I think many of us as believers, we miss that. Because many of us, we walk out of here and we say we live in relationship with God, but many of us will say, I'll see you next Sunday, Lord. And we're missing it. (laughs) We're missing what he offers us. I have heard you say, come and talk to me, is what he said. So David puts these things in the proper place. And then listen, just, I want you to know, David was human, because what I see is that his heart would vacillate a little bit. So this makes me feel a little better, because I told you I can struggle, and I'm better at it than I used to be. But David would say in verse 9, do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You've always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me. Oh, God of my salvation. I think in the middle, he's starting to waver a little bit because he's human. But then he begins to go back through the process again. David shows us that worship is critical. If David, if it worked for David, if it worked for me and does work for me, I want you to know that it can work for those of you who are burdened today too. He says this, 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 this verse is for somebody I know here today. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. What he's saying there is human relationships, even the closest can disappoint. But Lord, you will hold me close. And maybe you have been betrayed, maybe you have been abandoned, 
the Lord will hold me close, he says. Yet, I am confident, let this speak to your weary soul, I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. That's not heaven, that's right now. We have heaven to look forward to, but I want you to see, I, I will see God's goodness. My circumstances haven't changed. God, though, is in control. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to live in a relationship. I'm going to be joyful because he gives me joy. He gives me peace in the land of the living. This is how I can live. And then he says this, wait patiently for the Lord. He's preaching to his soul again. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous because fear is going to keep attacking. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Here's what waiting patiently looks like. Waiting patiently means trusting. And there is a moment where I have to, when I'm carrying this thing, decide to finally lay this down burdening me and now I notice something my hands are free to do something praise worship be good to other people instead of being overwhelmed by this I lay this down but it takes trust God I don't get this right now but I'm going to trust you to take care of that because I can't carry that anymore it's wearing me out and I know that that is where some of you are this morning. But you have to get intentional. He says the, there are these verbs of intentionality. Seeking the Lord. Delighting in his character. Meditating. Singing. Praising. Praying. Scruff of the neck. Heart you will worship. And God begins to flood in. Worship's like exercise. Sometimes you don't feel like it. A lot of times you don't. A lot of times I love to do it, and then there's other times like, I hate doing this right now. I don't feel like doing this. Worship is like exercise. I have to make my heart do what it needs, not what it wants. Well, we're going to get intentional at this moment. Again, we're going to have communion, and this is an opportunity for you with your backpack that you're carrying as we have a time of worship through communion. Our band is going to go ahead and begin to come out. Our ushers are going to go ahead and get in their places. But as they do this, I, I, there's going to be a lot of movement, okay? Now this is what I really want to ask you to do. Don't miss this because I'm going to read some scripture to you that I really believe this week God gave me to give to you. This week, as you get ready to get your heart prepared for communion. Jesus on the night, the last night with his disciples, knew that there were going to be a lot of things that they were going to be worried about in the coming days and fearful of. Because he was going to be crucified the next day. They weren't going to understand. But Jesus said, this is my body. I want you to remember this. And you take this. And he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. Remember, I did this for you. And he takes a cup of wine and he says, this is my blood that will be shed for you. It's been shed for you. I want you to remember me 
remember me. All the worries are going to flood in and try to overwhelm you. And it's in that moment you have to come back and filter everything through what I have done for you. That's what communion is about. It recalibrates our heart. It gets us to the place where our heart needs to be. It's, it's going to be hard for you to receive that communion if you're tied up with all the things that you're trying to carry. I, I would encourage you today in your mind as you sit before the Lord to release those things and exchange those heavy burdens for what Christ has already done for you today. Communion is for those who are Christians. If, if you are not a member of our church, you're still welcome to receive communion with us if you are a follower of Jesus. But you don't have to be a member of our church. Our ushers are going to, as the music begins to play, are going to release you in the outside. You'll go to the station that they direct you to. There is a, a cup that is stacked that has both the bread and the juice. You'll take that cup, go back to your seat, go down the middle aisle, please, just to kind of keep a flow going. And there's going to be music that's going to be playing. And then you begin to filter whatever it is and release whatever it is that has you worried. You release it before the Lord today. And remember the Lord's goodness while you live in the land of the living. These scriptures, listen to what it says. So humble yourselves, First Peter, under the mighty power of God. Humble yourselves. That says, God, I can't carry this anymore. And at the right time, he will lift you up. At his time, the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Look at this. Give all your worries. Lay it down. Cast all your cares. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. That literally is your worries are a care to him. Paul would write while he was in prison, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. We're going to do this this morning and thank him for all he has done. Look, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, not yours that you make up, not that which I give you, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of your life. Live in Christ Jesus. So Lord, today, I pray that your peace would begin to push out all of the worries that are represented in this room today. They are real situations, real problems, but Lord, you are a real awesome God that we worship. And so, Father, today as we remember your love for us, Lord, we want to give thanks to you. We want to gain new perspective. We want to walk with a new kind of confidence as we go into our week, even if our circumstances don't change. We declare today that you are good, God, and that you deserve to be worshipped and praised. In your name we pray.